Hello, good evening. Uh, welcome to the midweek special uh, Jersnet podcast, Independent Rangers podcast made for fans, by fans, and where the content is absolutely free. Third, I believe, midweek special ahead of what is another class game tomorrow night in the, the Europa League um, group stages. Rangers travel to Benfica um, to face off against the, the Portuguese Giants. The, the team travelled out today uh, ahead of tomorrow night's match. So I am joined tonight by Alec Anderson. We are going to go through uh, a preview for tomorrow night's game um, and we'll also have a wee look at some other things that have popped up in uh, the world of, of Rangers this week. Um, but the, the game is, is at the forefront of our minds. It's tomorrow night uh, at the Stadium of Light. It's going to be a cracker, I think. Two teams that have 100% records in the group stages. So we will go through that. We'll have a look at um, Benfica's record so far this season, how they are shaping up. We'll also have a chat about the potential team news for tomorrow night and um, some of the history surrounding it. Alec, how, how are you doing? Hey, I'm absolutely fine, David. Yes, thanks for having us back on, mate. I uh, hope everybody else is out there surviving the, the COVID. And I'd just like to reassure all the listeners that uh, despite living and coming to you live from less than a mile from the infamous uh, Dorchester Avenue, um, not Dorchester Avenue, I've just made a complete hash of that, where the players were having their party the other night, it's just a mile down the road for me. <laughs> No. Um, I'd just like to assure everybody that I wasn't there. <laughs> right. You completely lost me when you said Dorchester. Exactly. That's, that's another street nearby. It's also <laughs> less than a mile for the, the hotel. You could really, you could really have said anything to be fair. I would have been none the wiser. But um, no, this is this is a much more relaxed setting tonight. You know, this is the equivalent of you know the Sky Sports pundits having the casual clothes on and just discussing casually discussing games. Instead of the, the shirt and tie and suit affair, that's a Sunday night podcast. So um, we'll try and get we'll try and go through as much as we can uh, in the next half hour or so. Um, but Alec, I know you're in a bit of a stato. I know you I know you you know your stuff in terms of European football. Obviously, both sides of the 100% records in the group. Both sides did have unbeaten records in the league up until Sunday, um, and Benfica lost to Boa Vista. Uh, 3-0 on Sunday night uh, or was it Monday night? Uh, Monday night mate, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll go through the group stages of the Europa League first thing, that's more pressing in our minds. Um, obviously we've we've had a, you know, a good start but um, Benfica have scored a few goals and they're going to be dangerous opponents tomorrow night. Yeah, um, they are and I think the worst thing I could have done this week other than try to make that joke about going to Devonshire Terrace <laughs> is uh, watching the game, uh, watching their game against Boa Vista. It was on uh, Premier Sport in the early hours of uh, Tuesday morning, the, the full 90 minutes. I recorded it, and uh, it was the, the complete opposite of what the stats tell you about Benfica so far this season. They were absolutely honking. Mm-hmm. Um, I go, I was going into this game just thinking, probably like everybody else, that it was, it was just magical for Rangers to be sitting in six points and for once to go into a, a doubleheader against... This, 
one of the kind of grand dames of European football, a club that I've just, the fact that we're not going to see them uh, in the flesh. I think I would actually have gone to the away game as well. I would have, I would have, I would have dusted in the passport and uh, made the effort to get over there for this one. Um, I was just quite happy thinking, not, not that I don't care, we're never going to say we don't care how the team got on, but for them to have a kind of free hit at this, we're on maximum points already. We've already got more points from uh, we're one away game than we've in this group stage than we got in total in the group stage of the last two seasons. And I was just going to sit back and relax and just see this as a big a reward for the effort that the players have put in this season. It was just getting to go and play Benfica and just to enjoy it with no, with no pressure, really. Um, but having seen them on Monday night, um, I, I can't help believing. Obviously, everything else that they've, uh, they were unbeaten. They're unbeaten in the last five games against uh, Boa Vista. Uh, they were unbeaten. They'd won all their, their previous five games that they've played in the Premier League in Portugal this season. Um, they've also opened a 100% record, scoring even more goals than us in their, in their first two games in the group stage. But uh, they were they were bad on Monday, and Boa Vista were doing things to them that Rangers, uh, I could just envision Rangers doing to them, you know, in, in much the same style, you know, kind of intricate football um, down the the kind of wing and uh, hitting them in a counter attack. And uh, yeah, I, I think high intensity from Boa Vista, not of as high an intensity as Rangers have been putting in this season. But uh, yeah, I think we need to kind of brace ourselves. I'm, I'm almost trying to put it out of my mind because there's no way Benfica can play that badly again. But I hope they do. The weird thing is, I mean, you're talking there about the way Bob used to play that. I saw some of the highlights earlier. Um, and that's that's pretty much how we've played when we've gone to Portugal. You know, last season especially, when... You know, we should have beat Porto away and then we beat them at home. And then the Braga game, I mean, that was a, a masterclass uh, from Gerald in terms of playing in the counter. And yeah, I don't really see any, I don't really see any reason why we can't go tomorrow night and expect, you know, a result. And it seems a bit greedy because I've felt like that before both games so far, where, you know, and I, as I said before we came on air, the kickoff time's a bit weird. So, that standard Liège game, I was working right up until the kickoff, so uh, I didn't really have time to properly think about the game itself. But I, I wasn't really worried, and especially when we started the way we started in that game, I thought we were comfortable. Then, you know, last week was a bit harder, just in, just in terms of um, the way we we sort of started, we were a bit sloppy the first half, and then we finally get the goal, and it was a very different game, I thought, to the to the first one. But it's sort of weird just going into these games and, and seeing you consider. You know, the first two seasons in Europa League, when we got to the group stages, you sort of bent your, bent your nails in the, in the build-up to the game. You then bent your nails all the way through the game. And there was no expectation for us to really go through. And I don't even the fans were going to the games and like, oh, we need to win. You know, it was very much like, take it as it comes. But the more time's going on, I don't know. I actually don't know if, if us not going to the games has something to do with it because you're not having that pent up. Like, ordinarily, I'd be travelling down from Dundee on the bus for... You know, it was usually working out the three hours to get to Ibrooks, um, on the old money feed loyal bus. But you're having all that time to think about the game, think about what team we're going to play, uh, you know, what the lineup would be, what the atmosphere would be like. There was a lot going through your head, whereas now I think it's a wee bit different just because there's not that sort of level of anxiety going into any games because we're not all building ourselves up to actually be there. So I don't know. 
I don't know if that's maybe having an impact on the the psyche of it in terms of a fan's point of view, but certainly going into the games at the moment, it doesn't feel like, you know, I, I certainly don't fear anyone in this group um, or anyone that we've played so far this season. I think what Gerard's done is what we what we fear most now, um, whether the fans are there or not, you know, the, the past three seasons, it became pretty evident pretty early that he knew how to cope with the big games. He knew how to cope with the tougher opponents. And the team almost relished it. And this kind of perverse things cropped up where we're actually taking more um, kind of heart from when we put away uh, a Livingston at Ibrox the other week or when we we, we put away Coman. I mean, that was a massive win psychologically uh, on Sunday. And it's like the European games because they're all, virtually all of them, bar the, bar the, the first few uh, qualifying rounds, they're virtually all massive games against clubs which would be no disgrace to lose to. They can exist in a kind of parallel universe where it's it's almost like a bonus. It's, um, and it, I, I, I can't agree with you. I, I'm, I'm a terrible warrior, you know, when it comes to Rangers. I think just the, the general powerlessness of what you can do. You can't actually do anything, and particularly when you're, when you're not at the game. You know, I'm, I'm terribly negative online and when I'm talking to people in the house and all that about the game. But when I'm there, and that's because when I'm at Ibrox, when I'm breathing the same air as Rangers, I make a, I make a point of being as positive as possible because you can actually communicate it to the players. But when I kind of do anything about it, I feel worse. But like you say, I think that's actually allowed almost kind of laboratory conditions for Gerard to, you know, implement his ideology on the team, even, you know, to an even better degree. In this season, we're, we're performance level. It's, it's not so much... We're all talking about how they're not actually unleashed on anybody yet. They've not actually cut loose on anybody. But they're kind of cutting loose on the season as a whole. It's as if they're spreading the performances across the whole season. You know, like so last October, we were beating, you know, we beat Hamilton and uh, Aberdeen 5 nothing each in the space of a few days. I think we beat St. Johnson 4 nothing the game before that. You know, you're, you're scoring like, you know, 14 goals across three games. And, and two of those games are responses to Celtic dropping points, and you're thinking, yeah, this is this is the way to go. But it's almost like the next time we played Aberdeen and Hamilton at Ibrox, you know, we didn't score against either of them, and we could have done with some of those, you know, extra three or four goals we'd scored against them in, in the October. And it's almost like we're doing that this season. We're just we're getting the one against Kilmarnock and not conceding. We're getting like the two against Livingston after you know 16 minutes, and that's it. Game's over. And then we get basically we played against Lech Poznan. Um, we, t- we started turning the screw early in the second half, you know, and then when when Alfie came on, that was a kind of we had a six sixty seven minute period of pressure um, when we scored another couple of minutes at trying to get a second goal, and that was it. It was almost like they only required kind of eight minutes of effort to actually win that game. So it, it's I think you're absolutely right. It's becoming kind of surreal. I could never say that I'm not worried, and the only thing that's worrying me about um, this game is just how bad Benfica looked the other night. And the fact that, as you say, we've performed so well against like Porto, Braga, teams who, you know, have been better than Benfica uh, over the last few years. Uh, I, I can't help believing. I just, can't, I just cannot help believing, you know, but um, I, I, the, the nerves are kicking in because it would be, be such a momentous occasion to beat them. I think, just, just picking up on what you were saying there, for me, you know, the one I can use an example because it's at the very tip of my tongue um, was the last game we played before lockdown, which was Ross County away, and it was just the worst game ever. And we scored late on. Ryan Kent scored in the second half, 
you, you, I found like last season I was coming away from games like that where we won narrowly and it felt a bit like Jesus we could have lost that or we could have drawn that or you know we, we could have conceded a goal or we had conceded a goal a late goal at the moment for me it doesn't ever feel like that like on Sunday you know I was, I was sitting watching it and I was getting a wee bit you know getting sweaty hands towards the end there and you know worrying that they might get a goal I think just I think a lot of it was PTSD from previous trips that will be part but um, but that that was like you know you were sort of half expecting something to happen but not really and and you go away from games now and even the even the game before the week before against Livingston and you're coming away and we've played a bit you know we've not been great but you never feel like we're in trouble you know even the life poisoning game I didn't feel you know it was a narrow victory but I felt like we deserved it and enjoy, enjoyed the game you know I think that's the biggest thing starting to enjoy games more we're actually looking a lot more solid and um I don't know it just it feels different this season it just feels a lot more like we're a team that knows what they're doing it feels like part of a plan doesn't it when, yeah. when the, the, these scraped results on paper you know the scraped results um it just feels like as my gran used to say when she was dishing out the chips on a Saturday afternoon to all the grandkids you know, deal small and feed all it's like just spread the goals across the season because we're not conceding any, and that's an incredible thing. You know, we've only conceded three goals in the league. This it's November. You know, we haven't conceded a goal to anybody since the first of October. You know, and we've won every game since, including that game. You know, it was it was it was Galatasaray, like a Champions League sized club, throwing everything at us, including the kitchen sink in sheer desperation. The only team to score against is Ibrox this season. It's it's absolutely unbelievable. So it it, it breeds this belief um, that when you're when you're there for, as you say, there was a kind of doer game against Ross County. Um, it wasn't the best game against Livingston, but even within that, you know, we played lovely football for 20 minutes and, and scored another another goal of the century, another finish of the century from uh, Defoe after what we'd got from, from Roof on the Thursday. There's, there's just a, a look about us that it's all part of a plan. Um, and on paper, it's, it's, it's a plan that's certainly, certainly working. And I just, you know, the only thing that's worrying me is I know we've got the big we've got the big squad, you know, and it's and it's been rotated well. Players shouldn't be exhausted, but it really is an intense schedule, you know, so far. And this is this is us coming up to I know a few of the players will be on international duty, but this is us coming up to the three week break in the Europa League, you know, and then there'll be an international break uh, for for the league. And I don't know if the players are getting to that point where it was pretty intense towards the end at Comarnock. But again, as you say, I don't know if that was just all in my head because of the scar tissue of what's happened there uh, the previous four times. I've been 1-0 up late on and then Comarnock have scored twice. But um, I, I don't know if the players are going to kind of collapse in a heap um, after after tomorrow night or if they're absolutely dying for it. If they're, if they're seeing this as almost like an, a, you know... Are we, are we, are we last day at school before the October break or, or, that kind of, or before your summer holidays they're just going to get there and party and I, I just have a funny feeling that that moment we're waiting for them to, to kind of to kind of cut loose um, and, and really turn it on is 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 going to be tomorrow night I think the way this team plays um, they will struggle against smaller sides when the pressure's kind of on them but when there's as you say when the fans haven't been there to make them feel under pressure They've managed those games quite comfortably within themselves. There's been no panic. There's only been a lot of goals, but there's been no panic. Um, 
and I just feel as if this tomorrow night might be we're about to have a few weeks off. We've had a great season so far. Let's uh, let's bring this portion of the Rangers season um, to a to a glorious end, you know. And I'm just I'm getting myself quite excited about the fact that we could actually be um, Benfica in the, in the stadium alive. Yeah, um, no, I agree, and I think it brings us nicely on the next point. But I think you're going to find, you know, you're talking about the players and the and the demands that are on them with this run of games, but. I think we're looking tomorrow night. We'll, we'll probably see Barker come back in, or someone of that ilk. But when he, you know, come on, he Jones and Edmondson. But you know, that's Jones is not an option. So Barker's only only obvious uh, right winger. I think for a game like that, I would I would expect to see him in the team. I would expect to see Kamara back in, and I think quite possibly Ryan Jack will drop out um, as a result. That's just my opinion. But yeah, um, and I think Morellas will start. Uh, over roof on this occasion, personally, um, and I don't know about Balogun and Hollander. That seems to be, you know, Balogun seems to be playing the European game, so it'll be interesting to see if he comes back in. But would you agree with that, or have you got your own your own thoughts on what the setup will be? It's a strange one when it comes to the the, the big one with European games. The big kind of variable is who's going to be playing that kind of right hand side slot. Fact, it's a big one with all the games you play that kind of inside right area. Um, and you've, as you're saying, Hadji scored the two goals against Braga last season. Um, then you had Brandon Barker played really well in Dodragal against Porto. We were fantastic that night. And then you've got uh, Arabo who scored you know, last season's goal of the century against Braga. So they've all, they've all got kind of previous against the Portuguese teams. Um and I, I, I would, I think I would go with Barker because before the standard age game, uh, Stevie G was saying that he, he didn't go with Brandon Barker, who played, you know, uh, reasonably well against Celtic at Parkhead in the previous game. He didn't go with him that night in Liège because he didn't think there'd be a lot of room for him to run into. Because I think, to, I think tomorrow night, um, the way I think watching them on Monday night, I think Benfica, according to according to the UEFA website, their previous three European games this season, they've played four three three. Um, they have lost a couple. Of, they, have, they lost a few goals on the counter attack to Lech Poznan, and I don't know if they were just trying this out the other night against Boavista, but they were definitely playing four four two, and they seem to have two guys kind of sitting. Um, well, one definitely sitting, um, Gabriel, and he had an absolute nightmare. Um, and uh, Adil Tarat, who everyone remembers from his, his days at QPR, the big Moroccan fella, he was he was he was having a bit of a ropey game as well, um, and he hooked three of them at half time. And brought on kind of more attacking options. And I think looking at the, the previous games in the Europa League, they've scored seven goals total over the two games. I think they're a team that likes to attack. I think they're a team that likes to go forward. And I think they're going to give us space at the back. And their, their left back, um, Tavares, young fella. I don't want to I don't want to go on about it too much in case he's an absolute, you know, fantastic game tomorrow night. But he was ropey as anything. And I'm really looking forward to seeing uh, Tavernier have a go at him. But also I, I like the idea of Brandon Barker just running at him. You know, uh, the, the two holding. I think I think Glenn Kamara's got to be. He seems to be. I mean, didn't he, didn't he play on Sunday? I think he's done fantastic in the two European games and Celtic at Parkhead, obviously, um, arguably man of the match in a couple of those games. So I, I think he's got to be. A, I think he's got to be a shoe in uh, for me. And I would I would actually like to see him go with Davis. Um, I have a funny feeling. though Stevie G likes it. Maybe a bit of insulation. Um, against a team with so many attacking options, Benfica have got a lot, of, a lot of nifty players. Uh, I have a funny feeling it might be Jack. 
be interesting anyway, whatever whatever way he goes. Um, but when, uh, one thing I'll say, and, and you, you mentioned Taji there, and last Thursday I just couldn't get my head around that performance from him, especially the second half. I, do you know, I, I don't, I don't hide my uh, skepticism when it comes to Hadji. I'm not, I'm not overly convinced by him. I found that performance last uh, last week bizarre. You know, that second half when he just kept giving the ball away, and but it was like it was it was continuous. It was it was like he wasn't he wasn't doing it deliberately. I don't think that, but there was a, there was a bit of something in his head that was just gone, and that worries me that on that stage where you're trying to probe for a goal that, you know, he, he can lose his head. Yeah. He, didn't need, he, he didn't need the fans there to be getting on his back. He was getting on his own back from, from the word go, David. You saw it. He was, as you're saying, he, he seemed to have some kind of internal nightmare going on. He was throwing his hands up in the air. He was, and he was, obviously, we, we'll all remember the wee bit just before we, we actually scored. Um, what was six minutes before we actually scored where he kind of gets in Roof's way. And Roof's kind of having a go at him, but a kind of controlled go at him, whereas Hadji's just... Uh, He's losing the plot, and then he was starting to knock the ball straight out. And it's a real, it, it's a shame. I'm hoping, you know, I mean, Ryan Kent used to do that as well. You can see he's just being too hard on himself, and you'd rather that than he's being too slack. Mm-hmm. But um, he's such a, he's not got the pace, obviously, Hadji. He was he was kind of poor uh, when he started in, in Liège. I think that really, well, it did work. If we win the game, a game like that in Liège, it, it does work, you know. But he he seemed to have a, a, a kind of uh, anonymous game that night as well but he's such a potentially when we've got likes of Livingston or even Kilmarnock teams that are camped in against us you, you need guys like that who can who can pick a lock and he's he's contributed really well um in fact it was a goal it was it was a game against Livingston at Ibrox there's a lovely ball uh, through uh, two times uh, to, to open to open them up for the the, the first goal and I remember playing the one-two with uh, Scotty Arfield at Easter Road for a smashing game. He's he's got great combination play. You know, he's 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 really got the touches. He's got the moves. He's got the kind of the kind of vision. But uh, when it's when it's not going for him, he's he's starting to lose it. And I think it's probably the team's doing so well. He's not a mainstay, you know, and and that's getting to him. But uh, he's going to get his shot. You know, if he just if he keeps ahead, there's going to be plenty of opportunities because we're playing plenty of games this season. Yeah. Anyway. What what is your score prediction for tomorrow then? <laughs> um, I I think it could either be um, I think it could either be a, a one each, you know, a la Porto uh, last year, or I, I I think I seriously think we're looking at two uh, 0 to the Rangers. Okay, I think one each, but I wouldn't be against your second uh, suggestion. <laughs> We shall see. Um, we'll move on to a couple of other things that have, that have happened this week before we before we finish up. Um, obviously, the the news on the start of the week about Jordan Jones and, and George Edmondson, who um, have been suspended after they appeared to have been involved in some sort of party. Um, as you mentioned at the top of the show, there's going to be a lot of repercussions for these two guys, especially as guys who are not you know, regular starters in the team. Uh, Jones has done okay this season, but, you know, it's it's not looking good. Do you think their careers as Rangers players are, are finished? Uh, I don't know. I don't actually know. It was difficult to to, to tell from what uh, Stevie G was, was saying, his, his little kind of uh, piece to camera uh, via Rangers TV today. It, it felt as if he was, he was saying, 
that's it. We're drawing a line under it. Um, and you know, he brought he brought the players' families into it. Um, they made their families ashamed. You know, um, as if that was a kind of the kind of harshest thing you could think to say about them. And then it was like we better we better ease off after that. It was kind of we want to draw a line under it. I'm like everybody else. I, th- I think the knee-jerk reaction um, yesterday when you heard the news was Jones is gone and uh, Big George is, is hanging on by a thread. Um, and we're only basing that on what we see when we see these when we've seen these players on the park. You know, you're judging it on the fact Jones has got a bit of a record. The upset of Kilmarnock fans. I, I don't know if he was that popular when he was down at Middlesbrough either. I didn't like his celebration. Like, it was a fantastic goal against Motherwell at Fir Park, and I don't really know what the the kind of uh, shut your mouth celebration was all about. Was it was it people talking about him or something? I'm thinking, no, mate, you you should be a bit more humble um, after what you did the, that, that last Old Firm game. Big George, I think he just he has the look of a guy who you just would think is easily misled. He's only three years younger. He's 23 years old, and that is in football terms, you're, you're getting to the point where you really need to look after yourself, but. I, it's it's serious, and um, I think I wouldn't I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have missed Jones. I think we could miss him as a squad, depending on how the season goes. We're going to get hit by COVID, you know, at some point. Actually, hit by it, you know, we'll probably get players, a lot of players having to self isolate. Um, you're just going to get natural injury suspension as a season like this goes on, if it goes on. Um, so we need as many players as possible, but I I, I just can't see Jordan Jones uh, getting back. I don't know how you could actually get rid of him. Uh, without doing the same for George from the club's point of view, but uh, aye, I, I'm the coat's definitely in a shaky peg, but I, I genuinely don't know how it's going to go. I, I don't, I didn't even really get a clue from what the manager was saying. Do you have any sympathy for these these guys, these players? Because obviously, there's been a few of these issues now, but it seems like you know these footballers are getting caught out <coughs> quite a lot, and it's obviously part of it's down to the position in the public eye, but do you have any sympathy for the fact that you know the situation they're in or is it a case of these people that are being paid vast amounts of money to play football should should really be staying out of trouble? We had a we had a, a pod earlier in the season that I was on, uh, David, and I think it was uh, Ross. We were talking about the, the COVID idiots then when they, you know Celtic and then the Aberdeen eight, you know, when they had their problems. And I, I did say then, you know, as much as I was enjoying slagging the hell out of the two clubs who'd slagged the hell out of us uh, for going into liquidation, uh, I did say then that I feel the footballers are being asked to take and take a lot of stick on behalf of the whole nation just now. They're a bit like teachers in that way, where they're being asked to... A lot of onus has been put on them uh, in a really unfair way by the government to go out there. And basically, they're putting themselves at risk, you know, when the country's been asked to kind of stay indoors and avoid going out. They're, they're going out all the time, you know, just taking it, entertain us and keep us all happy. Um, but, and I, I don't like to jump on the old bandwagon of, uh, you know, rich players, you know, being really being really kind of careless and entitled. But um, they have been completely stupid. The two of them are completely out of order. And I, I do not understand how the hell they've thought that was in any way uh, advice, even if it's like, like they're gagging to go to a party. I don't understand young guys, you know, we don't want to get cooped up in the house. I'm, I'm, I'm early 50s and I hate being cooped up in the house uh, these days with the, with the COVID, but uh, I just don't understand how they could actually not get the message from the club and from everything that's been happening uh, in Scottish football this season that that was just the, the stupidest thing to do. And to actually, and, and even just for a common sense point of view, to go to a party 
where everybody's got phone cameras and think, you know, that they're somehow going to get away with it. Um, no, it's it was it was it was completely negligent, you know. And uh, I don't like to jump too much in the bandwagon of uh, kind of castigating footballers as the only evil in society. But uh, for me, they're a, a, a pair of right numpties, and um, <laughs> it just they just shouldn't have done it. Yeah. It's not the only sort of COVID news this week, obviously, the, the SPFL meeting, or, or certainly a survey, I think it was, reached a bit of a deadlock. Uh, there were some rejections of a potential for teams to forfeit games 3-0 if they can't fulfil fixtures. Uh, there's also um, chat about curtainment of seasons again in case the, there was another spike of COVID that resulted in, in, in football being stopped. And 20 clubs agreed to a points-by-game decision similar to last season. 17 clubs to null and void, and the other 19 saying it was too soon to make another decision. Do you think that the team that's at the top of the league will, will make a, a difference to, to what's, what's what in that sense? Oh, God, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, patently. Um, I think <laughs> the way the Scottish football's gone the, 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 past, uh, the past few years, I mean, the past uh, few months, it's obviously it's just a, it's, it's just about negotiation. There is no strong leadership. Um, what happened to, to end last season was absolutely uh, disgusting, um, and was shown to be. I mean, like we, went, we went to the court of session. Who you know, although they eventually didn't make a decision, the court of session they, they did agree that there was a case to answer. Um, and I think it's just it's killed all the authority. Uh, of the football authorities, and it's kind of opening up, it's exposing the fact that it's just the powerful, the most powerful voices within uh, Scottish clubs are the ones that are running the game. I mean, when's it, when, as we've all been saying, when is the last time the first old firm game of the season didn't take place until mid-October? It's always August, sometimes early September. Celtic basically are actually lobbying the Scottish government just to give them everything they want when they want it. You know, they don't care that people are dying in their thousands from COVID. They just want they just want their fans in the stadium so they can possibly help them win a game against Rangers. Um, so we're in a really, a really scary situation. Um, and I think the one thing Rangers need to make sure is that they are top of that league. If if COVID does, you know, if it escalates again, well, it already is escalating again. Um, we have to accept that obviously human life is more important uh, than, than the football. Um, but we just have to make sure that we're top of that league if the league does get called early, because then I would I would actually, to be quite honest with you, I would love to see Rangers saying, no, we'll play the league, play the league to a finish, or we just call it null and void. Because if the team that's top of the league is calling it null and void, then the team that's second can't then claim they've won the title. Um, okay, on that note, I think we'll uh, we'll call it a day there. Um, it was good to sort of preview that game tomorrow. I think everyone's excited about you know it's a glamour tie. It's just a pity that we can't travel over um for the match. Uh, but Alec, thanks for joining me tonight uh, for the bonus edition. Um and thank you all for, for listening again. Uh, all previous shows and upcoming shows are available to stream uh, on the usual platforms uh, for podcasts. Um and We'll be back on Sunday night with uh, all the reaction to tomorrow night's game as well as uh, Sunday's match with Hamilton. So thank you for joining me and we shall see you again soon.